0: And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another
1: of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And we're coming at you today. Got a great show planned for you today. Going to be joined and I think we'll air about mm, eight minutes or so of the interview we got with Tony Greer of TG Macro coming up and. Um, and I wanted to have Tony on to talk to him about macro because, um, you know, Chase is our macro guy. He's our analyst, Chase Taylor. You know, that's that's our guy. Tony, um, Tony looks a lot of the same stuff, but he looks at it solely through. I really appreciate the way that he views things. He, he's everything is about price action him. Right. Um, and letting the markets tell him and, and you know, what's going on. Right. Responding to to movements in different asset classes. And anyway, I, I just like getting that perspective from him. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been on the street for years, professional trader and hedge funds and um, in big banks and institutions. I mean, I, I believe he was a floor trader at one point. Uh, just a fascinating perspective and just wanted to get his take on the macro world through that lens that he's looking on looking at. Um, because especially in the last two weeks and, and this happens, right? This, this is part of markets. Um, in my opinion, you cannot look at this market and say it's fundamentally driven, um, both to the downside, to the upside. Now the trends in place, you know, I think that the pullback in the market, I, again, the market, well, you guys have been listening to us all year. We came into this year saying, get out of tech. Uh, and get log energy stocks. So that part of it makes sense. And if you look at the indexes, I think you can make an argument that it makes sense. Um, but, you know, you get, you get going on a day like today, you know, the NASDAQ futures were down 1%, 1% plus. It looked like we were going to open deeply in the red. Then an article comes out, published by the Wall Street Journal, and they're talking to different Fed officials, and the Fed says, we may, we may after the next hike, basically saying, okay, we're going to get another 75 basis point hike, which is just mind-blowing. Um, I didn't think they'd be able to squeeze in two more rate hikes. I was wrong. I, I was saying that. Now, I still stand by that. I think that the damage that they are going to cause to the economy is going to be significant. How long will it last? Who knows? Um, but I mean, I, I, it's going to, it's, I, I think that they've already hiked enough, right? I mean, and if you want to preview and I've said this before, but just, you know, if you want to preview to see what really rapidly rising rates are going to do, I think you can look at the housing market. That just now is everything is interest rate sensitive as housing. No. So other things might get hit harder, other things, but bottom line is right. That's you're seeing the impact of rates especially when they rise so violently over such a short period of time and there's just no i i I keep saying this there's no way around it right earnings are going down book it now what will be impacted the hardest i mean you'll have to wait and see we can make guesses how long will it last who knows a lot of it depends on the you know there's so many different geopolitical movements and uh you know, currency violence. You know I call it violence just because you're watching the craziest stuff. So anyway, let's get into the market update. But we're gonna we're, later in the show, we're gonna have Tony. Uh, we're gonna air a part of the interview with Tony, and then to get the rest of it, you're obviously gonna need to go to the go to the uh, the podcast knowyourriskradio.com, dot com or CapitalManagers dot com. Also, want to make sure to want to make sure to pound this one today. We have our let's see when is it? Uh, I believe it's next Thursday. So what would that be? Would that be Thursday the twenty? Thursday the twenty seventh? I believe it's next. We have our final. Um, we have our final webinar, our final roadshow of the year, virtual roadshow. Uh, again, it's free of charge, but like I said, uh, we can only. I think we can only. I think we can only do a hundred people. We've had about one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and thirty-five sign up pretty regularly for the last man shoot six or eight virtual road shows. So, um, and you know, if you if you get there late and you can't sign up, we will notify you and automatically enroll you in the next one. But bottom line is, if you want to get into this one, there are only a hundred spaces. Um, and in the last few road shows we have done. Like I said, it was oversubscribed, so you want to get in there. You can go to bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com, knowyourriskradio.com. All those places will lead you. I think bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com, if you go to the website now, it should pop up and say, hey, do you want to sign up for the the webinar? So, And as always, guys, this is not a way to get any personal information from you. You'll never hear from us again. We're not going to keep hounding you, right? Uh, if you like what you hear on the webinar and you want to have, you want to meet or discuss or have a call with me or one of our advisors, we'll do that. If not, best of luck and, you know, send you on your way. So anyway, if you want to sign up for that, that'll be next week. Uh, anyway, so let's get in the market update there. And I was telling our people here in Seattle, the first three minute opener on the show, <clears throat> uh, we're going to have a longer than normal market update today. Cause there's just too much to get to. Um, and I think all of it is important. Uh, obviously, some of it's going to be more important than others, you know, but it, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> what a mess. Um, let's start from the top. So let, let me start with one that I've been watching, guys. And just to give you an idea, and I and if this market just seems like it's out of control crazy, it is. And here's, here's a perfect illustration. Today alone. Today alone, today's session, and I'm doing this right now at about 1130 on Friday, but in just today's session, we have seen the dollar index swing in almost a two and a half percent range. I'm sure it's happened before in my entire career, and this is something that I've kept an eye on regularly. And you guys know my opinion about rates in the dollar being so important and so key to understanding what's happening in markets and economies. And so I've always kept an eye on those things. I have never, I do not recall, maybe it's happened at some point. I I don't think I have ever seen that kind of volatility. I'm talking about looking at 20 basis point swings on the dollar. Now, think about why this is important. When you're talking about the dollar, you're talking about the biggest, most liquid market in the world, right? The bigger and deeper and more liquid a market is, the less volatility it's going to have. When the world reserve currency is swinging in two to two and a half percent intraday swings, it's just here's the other thing. If the world reserve currency is swinging in a single day in a two to a two and a half percent range, how in the world can you price any other asset? And that's not to say that things, that means that things should go down. It just means that if you're a fundamental investor like we are, and hopefully you're a fundamental investor, I I think if you haven't been a fundamental investor, it's probably been a pretty tough year, but I, how do you price anything? I think about that when the market can't even price or agree within two and a half percent of what the world reserve currency is worth. It makes it pretty difficult. And unfortunately, when you look at what's going on in the world. Now, you guys know me, I, I, you know, I still will stick to my knitting on this. And really interesting, I, I, to tell you why I think markets are going to go down further, and I think there is more pain ahead, is is the, the primary reason for that is fundamental for me. I just, I, I when you look at this setup, rising rates, and we'll get into all the different things this means. But when you get into this setup, it's just virtually impossible for earnings to go up. And it, it's almost impossible for them not to fall. Okay. Just because it's going to crimp consumer spending, right? You, like, again, you see the areas of the economy already driving up and getting whacked, real estate, mortgages, automobiles. I mean, it's just, it's it's going to be ugly. Um, but just to put some perspective on that. Remember rates and valuations on the market have a lot to do. The higher rates go, the lower valuations should be in the market. Okay. Lower valuations go, or excuse me, the lower rates go, the higher valuations that you can get in the market. And it makes sense, right? If I can make 1% owning a risk-free U S government bond and inflation's at two, I need to take some additional risk. I need to own some stocks that are paying me some dividends of four and 5%, hopefully, Right I, I got it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at two-year notes now paying four, six, five. right? So naturally you'd expect valuations to come down. It, it, I was looking at this is the highest rates have been in since the middle of 2007. okay? Now, if we go back in the middle of 2007, you had the S & P 500 at the height, right? the height of that bubble, the real estate bubble. S&P was trading right around 17.2 times earnings. Today, you're at 19.5, 20. After the market's down 23, 25% on the year. And rates are at the same level. So you can't sit there and use the excuse that people have used for the last 15 years saying, well, you know, and they were right. They were right. You know, you get low rates like that. You would expect higher than normal valuations in the market. Okay, well, what about today? and the market and that's where i had have this really tough time with these people oh there's so much bad news priced in and again i'm beating a dead horse i've talked about this extensively but you just sit back and look at it and you go wait a second the last time rates were at this level the s&p at the peak of its cycle was trading at 17.2 times earnings you're you you know you're what is that 25 20, 10 almost 20% above that right now trading right around 20 times earnings or 15% anyway um after the market has already pulled back 23 25% whatever it is on the year it's just mind blowing and again i you know i think the market is just myopically focused on rates and i get it i mean that's it's what's going on in rate markets right now and bond markets is historic there's no question about it but we're kind of forgetting about the underlying economic factors it's just not good now in the short term i will tell you this and i and i um when we when we started plumbing new lows last week i want to say four out of 5 days last week at least i at least three you had successive new closing lows right so the market was making new lows to the downside um i was really expecting a rollover i was expecting a washout i was sitting there going okay you should be we should see a pop in the vix here And it just didn't roll over. And I think right now in the interim, you need to be, if you're short, you need to be careful here. I think that you could be looking at a big, huge, nasty rally. And it wouldn't surprise me going into elections, right? Uh, It wouldn't surprise me to hear more dovish tones coming out of the Fed at least over the next two weeks. Right? I mean, I, I just, you know... Whoever's in the White House would would, and it's not I'm not pinning this on this administration or anything. I'm just saying whoever's in the White House, if you've got elections coming up, they're going to want to see the stock market doing as good as it can. Right. Even if it's just transitory. Anyway, I just look at the whole thing and I just I think you need to be very careful right here. The news coming out, the new highs and yields, this market on a fundamental level should be getting killed. Um, but it's not. And I think one of the reasons it may not be is because so many people think it's going to get killed, meaning you had a ton of people short. Right. And markets like at certain points, selling gets exhausted. Right. Think of it as there were people that aren't going to sell stocks until the market's down 40 or 50. Right. That's their panic spot. And this is totally anecdotal, but just trying to get it to where you guys you know, can conceptually understand what I'm saying. There's pain points that certain people are going to liquidate. Certain people are going to be able to hold stocks the entire way through. Certain people are going to get shaken out at a 15% drop. Certain people are going to get shaken out at a 25% drop. Certain people have risk limits, sort of like we do, where, you know, we get down to a certain level and we're going to go market neutral, meaning we will not have long exposure. But at certain phases, because of these different market dynamics and interactions, you just basically run out of sellers. And when that happens, especially in these bear markets, you're just going to see these mind-melting rips to the upside. And I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying that where last week I thought you were nuts to be naked long and not hedged and not protected in any way, um, with the action we've seen today and this week, I'm sitting there going, I really think the risk is to the upside and when you know when you realize when you're looking at the data like we are when you see how many managers are short how many people are hedged and you can see it in the vix you guys i mean the vix the vix it's pretty crazy and again i think we've talked about this several times on the show too but the vix is just stalled out the volatility index it's just pegged between like 30 and 32 i think it got down in 29s today maybe it's still there but my point is these markets just ripping all over the place and the VIX not moving I think what it's telling you is that everybody that was going to buy options, right? The VIX represents option premium. So think of the VIX, right? It's it's the fear gauge is what they call it. But basically what it's telling you is it the VIX is showing you what the price of insurance is. What If you're going to buy put options, things that go up drastically when markets fall, the VIX is telling you what basically what the price tag on that is, right? Now, that's a very, very... Uh, non-sophisticated way to explain it. So don't go throwing that around at a cocktail party to a CFA or something. But basically, conceptually, that's the way you want to think of the VIX. The VIX is telling us what the cost of insurance is. And when you get everybody, right, and and it's not surprising because this, to me, is a very binary market, meaning... you know, you, we, we sit there naturally, okay, if earnings are going to get hit and everybody knows that the market should be going lower, but but it's very well advertised, right? Everybody, this isn't catching people off guard. It's not like the real estate situation where you're sitting there going, what bomb is going to blow up next, right? Everybody knows this. And so what happened? Anybody, everybody gets all on one side of the boat and there's just no more sellers. There's no more people that want it. And I think if the VIX goes down a little bit and insurance gets cheaper, you see it pop right back up. That makes sense, but there's just not enough drive. It's it's pretty wild, you know. You if you were a newbie coming into this and you look just were watching markets over the last couple of weeks, you're like, good lord, the volatility is insane. Then you look at the VIX and it's sh- er, flat. Right. And it's still elevated. I mean, 30s high on the VIX, but it's just it's 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 a pretty weird environment. Um, the rate moves now to get back on the rate side, the rate moves we're seeing are incredible. Um, they're historic. I mean, you've got you got bonds, pressing yields that we haven't seen in over a decade. The two the two year U.S. government treasury as of today was paying it when I looked it up before I came onto the show. It was at four, six, five for a two year, the 20 year, I think hit four, five, Whew. the 20 year is actually now above its long-term average. So higher than normal. And, and this now I'll pivot back to market valuations, right? So what should that mean? You got higher than normal rates and accelerating to the upside with the Fed promising more valuations to be getting compressed. And I think they're going to, but like I said, there are mechanical things, and this is what makes bear markets so dangerous. People get too bold, too bared up, right? They get too short, and then they can get drilled for 40%, 50% hits in a month, right? If they're leveraged short the market, the market can rip 25 30%. We saw that bounce coming out of the June lows. I think you rallied 26% on the NASDAQ, I want to say is what it was. Yeah, I think it was yeah, it was right around twenty three Yeah, anyway, but think about it: if you're leveraged short going into that, and you're all bared up, man, you're sitting on forty percent losses in a, in a in a two three week period of time, and that's why you got to be so careful. Conversely, the big moves like this, you get an up day now, Nasdaq pressing up two percent on the day. It's going to suck in a lot of money, like we've told you. Um, it's a mess out there, you guys. The other thing that makes it even harder, like I was talking about, the you know the. You, I you're not seeing you're you're really not yet not in the valuation of the market. You're not seeing the market taking into consideration and building what's going to happen to earnings in the next 12 to 16 months into these prices. What the market is basically trying to say, if you're believing what the market is selling right now, it's basically saying that the only issue we've got to deal with is rising rates. That's what it's telling you. Right. And I just I, I don't think that could be more wrong. Now, that does not mean the market cannot rip here for, for here based on all the different things we were talking about. Uh, another thing that makes me believe, though, that we're not even anywhere close. Maybe that's too strong a word. We're not close to a fundamental bottom of some of the earnings reports that came out today or this week. Um, the Netflix one is one of the most interesting. So Netflix came out with a quarterly earnings announcement. And the only thing that they beat on was added new subscribers. And it wasn't a blowout number by any stretch of the imagination. It was higher than what people expected. But I think it was like 4.5 million new. And I remember they lost a bunch to previous quarter. Anyway, it's pretty noisy. Um, But when you started digging into the quarter. And immediately they announced new subscriber growth and the stock just rips up 15% in the after hours. So I started digging through the quarter and I'm like, man, you know, is NASDAQ turning a corner or excuse me, is Netflix turning a corner? Must be something positive going on. I read through the numbers. Okay. Revenue growth. It bounced off of that news. I think revenue growth was like 6.1%. Which is not impressive, especially for a company that doesn't produce any free cash flow. The slowest revenue growth it's had on record year over year, it showed an 8% decline in EBITDA, which is earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization, which signals that the interior of the business is losing momentum. Then on top of it, Reed Hastings and the CEO or the CEO came out and said that they're pulling back on spending and kind of kind of tried to be like, you know, we're the smart guys. We're pulling back on spending while all our competition is spending themselves into an oblivion. Blah blah. blah. And it sounds good on paper unless you know their corporate strategy over the their inception, which has been we're just going to drown everybody out in spending. And I think that that's really telling. Right. For those people buying into this Netflix surge, what they think is that that the growth years are still here, that growth will reaccelerate. And at the same time, the CEO of the company is slowing down their content spend. Well, what does that tell you? If he thought the growth was there, like the investors seem to think so, wouldn't he be? He wouldn't be pulling back the reins on his money spend. You'd be increasing it. And, and until I see stocks like that, that have been such poster children of this entire run, get hit by what is bad news. That quarter that, that quarter they announced, I don't care what Jim Cramer or anybody else says about it. They're just looking at headline numbers. If you get down into the quarter, there's nothing positive. Nothing. Uh, Tesla, same way, at least Tesla got hit. Now it's bouncing back today. But um, I've really, I don't know what to make of Tesla, you guys. I got off the, fraud. I was really convinced it was just a fraud, an amalgamation of creative accounting and all that kind of stuff. Um, Then I got off of that as they scaled and were bigger. And I was like, you know, maybe I was wrong. But then I saw something in their quarterly announcement that just blew my mind. But before I share that with you, Uh, We got to take a quick break. How's that for a little cliffhanger? Um, (laughs) But we come back. I'll get into what really caught my eye with Tesla and kind of tell you how I think that feeds into the rest of the market. So as always, guys. You're going to want to download the podcast to hear the rest of the interview that we're going to share. We're going to share part of the interview at the end of the end of the uh, end of the episode today. You want to hear the rest of it. Go to You can just Google com. You can find us on iTunes, any podcast website. Also, go to BulwarkCapitalManagement.com and sign up for our last virtual roadshow of the year coming up next week. You won't want to miss it. Anyway, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. To talk about Tesla and continue the market update, stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement in this wild market? Join Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3 o'clock, to learn why a risk management strategy has never been more crucial.
1: Dory, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the bulwark investment strategy, and we'll show you how our strategy is done in 2022 as well as previous years, and explain why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and is a risk in today's inflationary environment. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement.
2: Don't miss Zach Abraham's final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3. It's free, but space is limited, so register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Learn all about Bullworks' risk management strategy and see their performance. Register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Investment advice can be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Truck Financial, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor.
0: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at
1: Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. <clears throat> okay, so let me let me get into the Tesla thing that I thought was so bizarre. And I hate to say it, but it's once again got me back on the bandwagon of sitting there going, I think there's something fraudulent going on there. and And I'll tell you why. So first of all, they had a disappointing... Well, disappointing to Tesla bulls, um, I thought that their earnings numbers and their revenue numbers were right in line, <laughs> given the backdrop. I mean, that's what's so funny about a company like that, holding that kind of valuation. Let's let's get outside of looking at first of all, just go compare. You know, you guys have heard me on Tesla. Just go compare it to any other automobile manufacturer out there. It. it I mean, it makes no sense. You cannot make any sense of the valuation. Um, but really interesting. They now. This is a this is a uh, an automobile manufacturer in an in an intensely inflationary time with rising rates, all the different things that we all know about, right? And an automobile manufacturer in this environment missed on revenue, didn't sell as much as they thought, but beat on earnings like well that's because they're superior operator okay well yeah i mean that i guess that's potentially possible so they're not facing any of the increased costs or in in, in issues and supply chain issues of anybody else right okay i mean that's a tough one to swallow but i mean you could be right then i you digging through the numbers saw something even more interesting their sgna costs right which stands for well it stands for selling general and administrative expenses right so think of it you know the more cars you sell you would expect your sgna costs to go up right you got a, more shipping costs you're selling more cars right more repair work or you know more touch-up work once it gets done with its journey wherever it was coming from and you know more cars to clean you got to hire more people right all these kind of things you would expect to go up um over the past two years Tesla's the number of cars that Tesla has sold has doubled, which is impressive. Okay, but their SG&A costs are flat. Now, I I ran that by a couple other people, wondering if I'd missed something. I'm wondering, nope, other people saw it too. It's it is what it is. And guys, that is the biggest head scratcher to me. And there's so much head scratcher stuff with this stock, but that is the biggest head scratcher uh, of a discovery that I have made. Or that research has unveiled to me since I followed this company. I do not understand how that is possible. Okay. And if it is, it's the first manufacturing company in history that could say that it doubled revenue, doubled or, or doubled the amount of things that sold over the previous two years and didn't see SGNA costs tick up a bit. I... Now, of course, nobody asks him about this because nobody ever asks him. These analysts don't. Ask, I mean, it's, it's like uh, listening to analyst calls with him is like listening to a, uh, you know, like a, a pop star doing a fan a fan club meeting. Um, and then, but the other thing to me was telling is that he really started pushing the stock pump promo mode during the conference call. And typically when he's done that in the past, it's been when Tesla was really up against it and He said that he sees a way, quote, unquote, that I think he said by 2026, if I'm not mistaken, it was either 2026 or 2030. He's like, you know, I see a path forward where Tesla could be worth and should be worth. I don't know if he said should. I thought he put that in anyway. where Tesla could be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. An automobile manufacturer. They're like, well, it's not. It's a tech company. It's this. It's that. Um, I'll say it again, and I could be wrong. And guys, just, just full caveat here. I thought Tesla was a fraud four years, five, four or five years ago. Um, as far as the stock price went, I've been incredibly wrong on that. So you're right. just, Just take that with a giant grain of salt, what I'm about to say, but I'll say it again. I know a lot of you out there are still long Tesla get out. And, and to me, the smoking gun is that something's going on there. That, it just, that makes no sense. I don't even understand. I've run it by other CFAs. I've run it by CPAs. Everybody is scratching their head. And, you know, it's such a popular stock. I don't think. And now it's so big and you and, and so many people will beg on you if you say anything about it. Like, oh, that's what idiots like you've been saying for years. So, you know, there's not a lot of people left out there that want to speak up about it. I'm not insinuating there's I'm, something's off. That's all I'm saying. It, the, I don't even understand how that's possible. And I've got some calls in to some guys I know that have done like kind of forensic accounting to get their take on it to see if I'm wrong because I don't want to overspeak. But this just smells bad. It smells bad that they're. I mean that in this environment, revenue miss, but earnings are up. And the and the reason it smells to me is that you can't fake revenue. Right, Revenue is what it is. There's too many ways to cross-check it. You can look at VIN numbers being sold through DMVs. Right, you can, There's too many ways to track it. But in this environment, that means your margins went up. Something happened to improve your profitability. And in this environment, I mean, forget about it. Now, maybe they could have improved profitability by having a higher mix of full self-driving in there. Because full self-driving really is their profit. The, the majority of it. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's I, well, <laughs> I think it's the majority of their real profit, but I, it's, it's anyway, it's, I don't really have much more to say about that. I just, it's a head scratcher, especially in this environment. And there are people are like, what's well, a good quarter. And I go, well, it's, well, they missed. I wouldn't say it's a good quarter, but it's too good of a quarter considering the pressures that everybody in the industry knows they're up against. And like I said, the smoking gun to me or what I think may turn out to be a smoking gun is SG. I just cannot wrap my head around how that's possible. Again, remember, this is a manufacturing company. We're not talking about a tech company. You could see that with a tech company. Right, take a take a company that has a subscription platform. They sign up twice as many people. You could see their revenue stream grow. But even then, their SG A would have to go up a little bit because I got to have people to service those clients. But it's it's more in a manufacturing company where every single car has to be touched by people. If you're putting out more cars, right? Uh, uh, you got more people selling. You got more people cleaning cars pre delivery. You got more, uh, I, you know, more shipping cost. Ca- I just you. I, I just can't get there. I it's just craziness. Uh where are we at? Okay. Yeah, net yeah. So now Netflix I don't see any of that. I just think that Netflix is a company whose growth is rapidly slowing and has yet to ever achieve uh the profitability that everybody thought they would. And so I just kind of think now Getting back to what I was originally saying, making the argument for why I don't think we're out of the woods yet, why I don't think the lows in the market are in. There's, there's several things that you usually look for in a, in a bear market, and one of them is just investor behavior, right, rationale. The, since Netflix released that bummer uh, of a quarterly uh, announcement outside of one thing, more subs being added, um, the stock's up 25 or 30%. Um, now give credit to Kramer. I beat him off. He was sitting there pounding the table. You got to buy Netflix. Now, all he talked about was the membership beat. He didn't, he didn't, or the, the subscriber beat. He didn't get into any of the other stuff. Shocker. He never does. Um, but I, you go through the rest of the reporters. It's not good. Right there again. And the, to me, the one that everybody missed was we're lowering our spend. Well, wait a second. You sold us the entire vision of this thing. Like your, your whole corporate strategy was to outspend everybody, right? So if you're pulling back on the investment in your own business, why wouldn't you expect investors to do the same thing? If, 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 if the future is bright now, I have tons of respect for Netflix's management. I am not insinuating anything untoward. I think they've been incredibly, I, I just, I think they do a really good job. It's nothing negative against them. I am a subscriber to Netflix. I like it. I just think that the the valuation and the way people look at this company is insane. And if you want to do a little bit of a trick, just do it this weekend. Go compare Netflix to Google. Okay. And, And then try to explain to me why somebody would pay... What would that be? 15. So you're looking at 30. It's about a 35 to 40 percent valuation premium built into Netflix as opposed to Google. Netflix has mountains more cash. Margins are massively higher. They're a free cash flow machine, one hundred and thirty billion dollars of cash on the balance sheet in, you know, top tier investment grade credit rating. Uh, They're still growing at like 13, 14 percent a year. Then you're going to turn around and pay a 40% premium for a company that cannot put out cash flow, who just posted the worst growth since inception in terms of revenue, and an annual year over year decline of 8% in earnings before in EBITDA? Nobody would do that. If you put those financials side by side and you covered up the names, nobody would pick Netflix. It's madness. Now, as you guys know, Prices can stay irrational way longer than they than, than they should. So I'm not saying I wouldn't bet against Netflix here, not after this move. I probably will at some point in the future. I, I I mean, it looks to me, it looks like it's breaking out. It looks like it's got some room to run. So I wouldn't, you know, I'm not advocating shorting it, anything like that. Plus, I think that there are just infinitely better short pro, uh, short targets out there. Uh, like, as I said, I you know, again, I, I don't like to short things that I think are actually good companies. I think Netflix is a good company. I think it's a good product. I just think that the valuation makes, and it's not even close to one of the most expensive out there. So don't read it in me. It's not, you know, I mean, it's gotten slaughtered this year, so it's not expensive, but just, you start comparing it to other things in the market and it's just a head scratcher going like, why would somebody pay for that? I don't know. Pretty crazy times. Okay. So anyway, that's about it for the market update guys. Um, again, on the rate stuff, fed says they're going another 75 bips. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just think next year is going to be really ugly as far as earnings goes. And I think people, I think the market seem to hear more people talking about it. I think the earnings reality is starting to set in. Um, and again, the market's not going to reflect it today. People are probably celebrating. As I sit here now, Dow's up 770 points on the day. I hate points. It's up 2.5. NASDAQ's up 2.28%. S and P's up 2.43. This has all the makings of a bear market rally. Again, not telling you to go long. I'm just saying if you're short, this might be, well, if you're shorter hedged, this might be where you want to take a breather and just kind of see where things shake out. Um, I think you got a pretty good setup for a really, really strong rip into the election. That's my guess at this point, having said that in this market, who bloody knows, right? Uh, Where did the dollar go before we close out the market update? Let me just get you a closing quote on the dollar. I mean, I think that the dollar is advertising the craziness of this market better than anything else. Um, it really is. <laughs> and if I sound a little scattered today, I am, you guys. Yeah, you're at a one eleven eighty eight. You brushed up against one fourteen momentarily this morning. One thirty 9, One thirteen ninety. Now you're down to eleven eighty eight. I. It's just insane. And uh, the one thing I will say, guys, this is not a market for the faint of heart. When things are moving like this, and you even look through the tech stuff today, that's that's you you see some things that are just ripping. Energy continues to do really well, thumbs up. Um, and then you look at other things that you're like, well, that's ripping. All these things must be going together. No, you know, you got high flyers like the trade desk and Shopify that are still red on the day. I. What does all that mean? I don't know. I, I, it means madness. Just since I told you that, the DXY drops another four cents. <laughs> it's, I, it's unbelievable. Anyway, we'll be right back. I want to do a little update on where, uh, example of what we mean when we talk about rates bring economic pain, and then we'll get right into the interview. So stick with us through the break. As always, guys, if you want to know how our average client is down less than 5% on the year. If you want somebody that's looking out and was talking for years and years about the bond problem and how you need to get out of bonds, and now you see your bond portfolio down 20%, 25% on the year and continuing to drop, right? Your bonds, right? you're sitting there going, how did you not see this? If you went in loaded up on tech stocks this year, which if you're a retail investor, you most likely did, and you're looking at a portfolio, that's down 25, 30% on the year. And you've been listening to us on the radio shan- saying, Hey, you come into this year, guys, get out of tech and you need to get an energy. And you're wondering why your guy didn't tell you that you're wondering why a big chunk of the net worth that you've worked almost your entire life to put together is down 20 to 30% on the year. And a big part of it's because interest rates went up and your bonds got smoked. If you're with somebody that didn't see that. Okay. a why are you paying them a fee? talk about the easiest call in a century. How did you know rates were going to go up? Well, they were at 0. <laughs> if they didn't if you want somebody who's paying attention, who's actually focused on making sure you don't get slaughtered in markets like this, our bond replacement program is now up 4% on the year. If that's the kind of thinking you want, guys, give us a call. And quite honestly, when you're talking about paying your hard-earned money, your fee I think it's what you deserve. I think it's the very least that every investor deserves. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, capitalmanagement.com For those down in Arizona, we now have employees full-time down in Arizona. We'll be opening an office shortly down there. So if you've been sitting there going, you know, I, I, I like Bulwark, you know, but I just don't want to have somebody out of state. We're not out of state anymore, baby. We're down there, so you can give us a call, too. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Do better in
0: bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, the Bulwark Insider Report, at
2: KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement in this wild market? Join Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3 o'clock, to learn why a risk management strategy has never been more crucial.
1: Dory, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy, and we'll show you how our strategy is done in 2022 as well as previous year's and explain why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and is a risk in today's inflationary environment. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your
2: retirement. Don't miss Zach Abraham's final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3. It's free, but space is limited, so register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Learn all about Bullworks' risk management strategy and see their performance. Register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Investment advice can't be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Truck Financial, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor.
1: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, so I, I just wanted to use this as an example. You guys have heard me going on about rates and profitability and the economy and the impacts it's going to have on earnings and all that stuff. So I just want to I want to spend some time. I want to share this quick anecdotal story with you, and I think you're just going to see a lot more of this. And this is why it's so hard. Regardless, Everybody's like, well, consumer spending – Hold on a second. There's more to corporate profits than just consumer spending. Now, for the record, you're going to see reports out from Amex saying that, you know, we see consumer spending up 21% this year. People are like, man, the consumer's strong. Uh Uh-uh. What have we been telling you? The summer of love. What do you think of the number one credit card? What do people use typically now when they travel? They use credit cards. What did we tell you was going to happen for traveling this year, especially during the summer? Right? People are going to spend tons of money. So I actually don't think the credit card information is that bullish, meaning, well, yeah, because people are going to travel their tails off. We've got basically two and a half years worth of travel that we've packed into three summer months. Now, there will be residuals, right? People will continue to take trips that they've been putting off for a while. But that, that isn't bullish to me. Right. But the, the other thing I was saying is that here's another impact of higher rates. So Carnival Cruise Company. Right? People are taking cruises. Carnival needs money. So they decided to raise some debt, okay? With the increase in rates, this new debt offering, they're taking out 2 billion dollars worth of debt and they're financing it at a, almost at a, I think 10.75. Okay, so do the no, or 10.375, something like that. 10. Point, let's call it 10.5. Okay, do the math on that. It's going to cost them 250 million dollars a year to service the debt they just took out. Right. That's going to be the impact on higher rates just on that one company on that one transaction. Right. You're going to see this happening all over the place. You look at the amount of these companies out here loaded down with monstrous levels of debt that they'll probably never pay off. We'll probably end up being involved in bankruptcy at some point. But now, will they go up as high as Carnival? Probably not. A lot of those companies didn't get hit as bad as Carnival did during this, so they didn't lose as much money. But still. What if their borrowing costs go from four to seven and a half? What are they paying for wages? Higher. What are they paying for fuel? Higher. Food costs? Higher. Booze costs? Higher. It's just not good. And so if you get caught or you're listening to people, well, it's just the rate thing and it will calm down. No, 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 no. Corporate profits are coming down. That is the one thing I will stake my name on. Okay, And at some point, the market is going to take its focus off of just the Fed and just higher rates, and the profitability is going to come into focus. And when it does, I think that'll lead the next leg lower. We'll have to see. Anyway, going to take a quick break right here, and we'll come right back with the first part. We're going to run about five to seven minutes of the interview. And uh, as always, guys, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Don't forget to go to the radio show website. Sign up for our virtual road show coming up next week. You won't want to miss it. Last one of the year. Uh, Other than that, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download
0: and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to
2: knowyourriskradio.com. Is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement in this wild market? Join Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3 o'clock to learn why a risk management strategy has never been more crucial.
1: Dory, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the bulwark investment strategy. And we'll show you how our strategy is done in 2022 as well as previous years and explain why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and is a risk in today's inflationary environment. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement.
2: Don't miss Zach Abraham's final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3. It's free, but space is limited, so register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Learn all about Bulwark's risk management strategy and see their performance. Register now at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Investment advice can't be given without a client service agreement. board Capital management's an investment advisor representative of Truck Financial, LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor.
1: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, this is my favorite part of the show: get to interview uh, an expert in the field that hopefully can bring some clarity to us. And uh, you know, this is a macro market. This is a macroeconomic-driven market. It's all about macro. And when we're in that situation, in my opinion, there's only one guy to talk to. It's my main man, Tony Greer. Tony, great to have you back on the show, man. It's been a long time. How are things? It's great, man. Thanks for having me, Zach. It's been a while. I
3: look forward to getting caught up. Where do we leave off, for Christ's sake?
1: Good golly, man.
3: Uh, it's Several a- worlds ago, right?
1: Good gosh. I, yeah. I. Uh, it's funny because... And, and you can probably speak to this better, you know, and more, this is what you do uh, for years and years. It was like macro was a ghost. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it just didn't matter. Nobody cared. And here we are. It, it, you know, as, as always is the case with markets, it goes from not mattering to being the only thing that matters. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's a mess, right? It's a mess in terms of trying to figure it out. I, I was speaking with my partner, who manages our algorithmic portfolio. And uh, we both ran portfolios. He was on, uh, I, I believe he was at Graham Capital running their commo- or on their commodities desk uh, during the financial crisis. I was just running a retail book, much, much, much smaller than I am now, uh, going through the financial crisis. Th- this has been decidedly more difficult, at least from our perspective. Kind of give us just an overview of, you know what's going on in markets, what's driving things, and then we can kind of dig down into the finer details.
3: Yeah, Zach, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, a good way to get started. All right, it, it definitely starts with the macro. Um, I think that we have to start in the rates market, right? I mean, you know, the yeah. yield differential right now between the U.S. and you know Japan. Let's start with that, right? Dollar yen blowing through one fifty, right? The reason that's going on is because two year uh, two year notes continue to press new highs. Um, we pressed the high of 465 this morning. The 10-year in Japan yields zero, right? <laughs> so that's why there, that's why there's a constant run to buy more dollars, um, you know, and own the U.S. paper over Japan. That's why that the dollar is wrecking that part of the world, right? We've got dollar yuan, Chinese yuan now, you know, through historic levels that we haven't seen since 2008. We've got the Bank of England intervening in the guilt market to lend the bid there because it went bidless for a while with U- with UK yields spiking higher. Why do we are yield spiking higher? Because of the political posture of basically of the um, net zero energy policy, right? Here in the US and in Europe, we're going net zero. We're getting off of fossil fuels. We are moving the center of the sort of commodity-based hegemon from the US in oil over to China in metals so that they'll be the center of the you know the new economy. And what's gone on with that attack on supply is that we've seen massive commodity inflation, most notably in the energy space. So since that energy inflation just doesn't seem to want to go away, the commodity inflation just doesn't seem to want to go away, headline inflation does not want to subside that's why the rate market is keeping the feds hand to the fire and saying we're not letting you pivot. You've got to worry about inflation. And so yields keep shooting higher. Higher yields are wrecking certain areas of the market starting with housing, right? The housing market's come to a full stop. If you had your house up for sale with rates at 0, take the for sale sign down. Right? <laughs> rates are at 6% now and nobody's looking to pay that. Right? And nobody's looking to to pay for a mortgage at that level. So you know, with that coming to a grinding halt, it's going to have, a uh, you know, that effect rolling through industry where that's going to slow down various, um, you know, subsectors of that industry. Um, and then you've got the equation over in Europe where, you know, you've got the Dutch GTF natural gas price backing off. All right, guys, we got to cut, cut things
1: of off things right things. there due to time constraints. But as always, you want to hear the rest of the episode? And I think you I think you would. Uh, love, love the way Tony thinks. A lot of great experience. You're going to want to hear his, want to hear his take on things. Anyway, go to the radio show website, KnowYourRiskRadio.com, um, or just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download, and also if you're going to download, please subscribe. The higher the subscriber numbers get, the easier it is to get great. Uh, interviews. So you're helping us out. It doesn't cost anything. Episodes will come right to your uh, inbox. Anyway, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: is an investment advisor representative of TREC Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.